Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about lots of things connected with wellness, rejuvenating, positive psychology, and my own particular spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology. As listeners to the podcast know, most episodes are designed to bringing you an interesting guest who lives his or her life enthusiastically and has unique ways of sharing how we can improve the quality of our lives with enthusiasm, increase longevity, and generally have a better quality of life than we might have before we met them. And today's guest is no exception. We're really pleased and proud to have Tammy Khan as our guest. Tammy is a happiness and mindfulness meditation coach, a yoga teacher, and founder of her own company called The Happy Meditator. So if you're looking for an unhappy meditator, this probably is not the podcast to listen to. Tammy has bachelor's and master's degrees in social work with a specialty in working adults and the elderly. She's an experienced mental health counselor, group therapist, and healthcare manager. And we are so proud and happy to have Tammy with us. Tammy, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm very happy to join you in your podcast. Well, we're looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. And let me start out by going back to your background. You are a social worker by training. Well, I know there are lots and lots of social workers in the world. It sounds like you've taken your career in a different direction. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get to to be the happy meditator? Yes, I would love to. It all started around, I'll say, seven years ago. I was taking a, a break from work to look after my children. And suddenly, out of nowhere, one morning, I woke up feeling very dizzy and very unwell. I started to develop all these health symptoms very quickly within a day. And I started this whole process of trying to figure out what was wrong with my body. In that journey, I came across a lot of doctors, a lot of different specialists to try to figure out what was going on in my body, but I didn't get an answer or a diagnosis. Part of that journey of trying to figure out what was going on with me took me around a year. And as you can expect, I was coping with really uncomfortable symptoms on a daily basis and not an answer, a specific answer on treatment on how to work with these symptoms. So I had to figure out on my own how to cope with these symptoms. One of the things that I turned into was yoga and meditation. Specifically, I noticed within those months that my levels of anxiety and stress were up to a point that I have never experienced before in my life. As a clinical social worker, I knew I couldn't diagnose myself with the symptoms of a severe depression, but I was experiencing this 
frequent anxiety that I have never coped with before in my life. And once I started a consistent practice of meditation and yoga, within weeks, I saw a big difference in my life. Not only I was able to stay more calm and more connected, I noticed that there was a connection between my anxiety and stress and my symptoms. So once I was able to find ways to center myself, to calm down, I had more mental clarity. And that was a big aspect of the symptoms that I was dealing with, that they all felt that mostly were in my head and and affecting my center and my balance, my physical balance. So I was triggering some sort of panic attacks here and there. And meditation basically became the anchor in my life. Within months and eventually now years, I realized that this is something so powerful that through counseling and therapy, it will have taken me a lot longer to help people the way meditation and yoga helped me in a short period of time. So this is how my journey started and why I decided to wanting to share this passion and these very helpful tools that anyone can do on their own and get really positive results. Boy, that's a great story. I'm wondering, I know for many people, they will seek doctor after doctor, medication after medication, and really take kind of a passive approach to try and get something done to them to improve their health. I know it's one of the major arguments that I have a lot of time with my patients, whether we're talking about yoga, other forms of exercise, eating healthy, taking some responsibility for their own health. And I'm just wondering if you can recall, was it a matter of kind of having exhausted everything or feeling that you've hit bottom from an emotional standpoint or had you done meditation or yoga in the past and figured maybe I'll try this because nothing else working. How did you happen to kind of break the cycle and take responsibility for your own health? I think it all started with feeling dissolution with the whole medical system. And because I knew really well from working in mental health, the implications of starting a medication, I didn't want it to go that route. Not only because I knew it was not something I wanted to continue for the rest of my life, and also I knew really well that I could do something to take control of my central nervous system on my own without medication. I'm not saying that this is something that will work for everybody. Some people need to first, you know, stabilize themselves with medication and then figure out other tools that they need to use. But for me, It was not feeling hopeful with not getting a diagnosis and knowing that when doctors don't know what to do, uh, a lot of times they just prescribe medication without the intention of thinking that you might not want that option. So it was a combination of that. And also I wanted to feel that I was under control. And I knew as soon as I start medication, my, my brain was going to be controlled by someone else. I couldn't, I, I couldn't manage. It's a great story. Now, not all meditators still have significant medical issues that got them into it. Who, who is meditation good for? I mean, if somebody is leading a reasonably okay life, who should be 
thinking about this? Is it something that you use to supplement something that's going wrong or is it good for everybody or who should be thinking about meditation? Well, I cannot think of anyone who wouldn't benefit from meditation. The first thing is that for me in my case came after a situation of extreme stress and difficulty, but who is not dealing with stress and difficulties on an everyday life? Especially, I think, in our current global pandemic, there's a lot of people that had postponed looking after their mental health. And now with all the stress and conditions that we're being put into, there's a lot of concern and a lot of people that are suffering from deep anxiety, symptoms even of of depression and other mental health conditions that they were trying to pretend they were not there. And now, boom, here they are. So for anyone that is coping with any type of stress in their lives, meditation could help. Also, meditation not only helps with reducing stress and finding more inner peace, With the research that we know now about the benefits of meditation, we know that it goes beyond that. With meditation, we change the structure of our brain. So if you have concerns for your physical health when it comes to aging, if you have concerns about your memory, concentration, about decision-making, you know, all these things that come with wanting to live a longer and happier life, Now we know that meditation is a great positive tool that can reverse a lot of things that could be going wrong or not particularly great with our brain as well. I'm really glad that you also brought up the issue of the pandemic because meditation is one of those things that you don't have to go somewhere else to do. It's something that Mm -hmm. you learn to do in your own home. It's something that is available to everybody once you know what you're doing, which is what I want to get into a little bit now. I know I've heard lots of different kinds of meditations, transcendental meditation and other kinds of Eastern meditation programs and relaxation training. What specifically is there about mindfulness meditation? What makes that a a particular, I don't know, branch or school of meditation? Yeah. Well, the first thing is mindfulness meditation comes from very ancient traditions from yoga and from the East. So these are practices that were initially done by yogis and monks and Buddhist people. And now we have secularized them. So we took out the components that we know could be used for people as a self-help tool and we have put these all these tools to the test to know for certain that they can help people reduce stress, improve health, well-being, and all sorts of other things. The particular aspect with mindfulness meditation is that we're training our mind to focus on one thing. With different types of meditations, there's different types of focuses. So through mindfulness meditation and the classes and programs that I teach, we focus on a body center practice. So we connect with sensations, with the breath, with emotions, with thoughts and other things when we sit on meditation. The good thing, as you mentioned about meditation and particularly mindfulness meditation is something that anybody can learn. Children can learn, adults, 
older adults. It's, it's a simple practice. It just takes consistency. I think this is sometimes the challenge for people to do it on a daily basis, which is crucial if you want to obtain benefits from it. Okay, great. And you mentioned something in passing that kind of leads to my next question. Since you are a yoga teacher too, is it something that you know, these are a couple of different skills that you have, or is there a connection between the meditation and yoga? Oh, yes, there's a powerful connection. And most people are not aware of this. Yoga was actually the physical practice of yoga, what we know as asana, the ones that we go to yoga studios to do the physical aspect, is actually a preparation for meditation. So most people tend to see them as something separate, but yogis actually practice the physical postures to prepare the body to sit into meditation. So there's a deep connection there. Also, these older traditions that come from the East that connect meditation to yoga as well are practices to enhance and create deep concentration. So that's also an important aspect when it comes to our body. A lot of people have sometimes a difficult time sitting on meditation because their body feels tense, they feel uncomfortable, or they have a lot of energy, and it's just difficult to stay still. So it's important when you are considering beginning a meditation practice, if you're able to do some sort of physical relaxation or physical postures before you sit in meditation, that could be very beneficial. And it's something that I teach in also my programs to incorporate that as part of your meditation practice. And I know in my work with my patients, I run across a certain number who, whatever we're talking about, meditation, yoga, biofeedback, I do get some pushback from some people who say, I, you know, I can't relax. I, I thrive on not relaxing or on pressure or stuff like that. that. You know, when I've tried this stuff, you know, it just gets boring. Do you have an answer to those people or... Do yeah, yeah. Well, there's some alternatives. <laughs> there's multiple things. One is what I started to mention the aspect of physical energy, right? If we're used to being all the time on go, go, go mode, and we have set our minds that staying busy, staying active is where we want to be, we could find it hard to stay still. And find it really hard to meditate because it feels like it goes almost kind of against what we have been training all our lives to do. So that's one aspect. The second thing is that we know now from how the brain works that the brain needs to find a place to rest and a place to stay centered and calm. The more we are in that go-go mode, we don't realize how much we are missing from our lives because we are always on the go. One important factor from meditation and from any practice that involves focusing on one thing, increasing concentration, we know now that our brain works better when we incorporate these things to our day. 
Not only it helps with concentration, it helps also with regulating our central nervous system. It helps with sleeping better, which is a big problem for a lot of people. That mind is on the go, go, go all day. And then when you sit <laughs> to try to go to sleep, you can't go to sleep because you're still thinking about the hundred things you want to do when your plans and your schedule and blah, 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 and all these things. And finally, the other aspect we also know, if you have concerns in your family from illness regarding memory, dementia, and similar type of conditions, we know that is important as well for the brain to have times to practice focus and concentration. So for anyone that feels that it's hard for them to do is a matter of putting yourself to the training and you're going to be able to let go of the ants in your pants, <laughs> if you want to call that. And finally, one more thing. I tend to find that if you can add a physical practice that you can release a little bit of the energy. And also I like people to introduce a breathing pranayama practice before they meditate that also tends to help a lot. Pranayama is the science of breathing that yogis use. And that tends to be very beneficial for people that can't just sit and meditate to incorporate a breathing practice before they meditate. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned this information about the brain because it's relatively new information. I mean, what we know about neuroplasticity now is yes. what we didn't know years ago is that the brain can continue to grow and change and make new connections and so on throughout the lifespan. And the imaging that they've done on meditators shows that there is actually the brains of people who meditate as a regular part of their behavior actually have healthier brains. And so it's, it's really an important kind of thing to know. Another group, and you hit on this a little bit, but some of our listeners are in the older age ranges. And I'm wondering if you have any particular tips for them or any specific ideas for starting, you know, later in life and incorporating the benefits of all the things you're talking about. Yes. One important aspect I like to talk about when it comes to aging, healthier aging or living longer, is that there's a mindset aspect that a lot of people tend to forget about as we age. And interesting enough, we know now that as we get older, we tend to get happier. And a lot of people from our society, I think, and culture have a, a different misconception about it, that as we get older, things go downhill from here and, you know, have this negative perspective of aging. But we know now that if you want to live longer, you want to live a healthier, happier life, we all need to work on our mindset. And mindset comes from that perspective of ages living. I think we in our society put too much emphasis on a number on an expectation of depending how old you are, you have to behave a certain way. And now we know that actually that works against us. So it's very important for anyone that wants to live a longer life to work on an, what I call an ageless mindset. Also, it's important for people to build habits 
that work towards improving well-being, habits like what we were talking about, meditation, yoga, practices that increase positivity in our lives. We all know that people that suffer from anxiety, stress, and depression tend to live less. So we need to do things to get ourselves into more positivity. One very interesting piece of research, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Ron, with Barbara Fredrickson and the ratio of positivity we need in our lives. Most Americans, sadly enough, we don't experience enough positive emotions in our day. So we need to look at a healthy ratio. And if you want to read more about this, I highly encourage your listeners to read more about Barbara Fredrickson's studies. And she tells us that we need to experience around three positive emotions to a negative emotion. So if you're looking to increase your longevity and the happiness in your life, you need to be putting the intention in the effort to create more things that build more positive emotions. And I say to people, think about practicing gratitude. Think about volunteering, serving in your community, helping your neighbor, things that really connect us with a sense of well-being and life satisfaction. So all these things, if you put them all together and make the intention in your life to put all these things into practice, the science is telling us that you're going to be longer, you're going to be happier, and If you don't think it's true, just put us to the test. Do these things for six weeks and then come back to us and tell us if we were wrong or not. That's a challenge for your viewers to to put us to the test. Yeah, well, I really love the concept of the ageless mindset. I don't know if it's yours or not, but I will steal it and (laughs) promote it too. I'm also glad you mentioned Barbara Fredrickson's research. That's also been applied in businesses, too, that they're generally finding that supervisors who give at least three compliments for every negative feedback tend to get more production and have a happier workplace. So if if that's what works in a business, and I know there is some controversy on is it exactly three or is it do you need five or whatever, but it's pretty clear that the positive to negative ratio has Mm -hmm. to be Just to be Uh, higher. Yeah. And if you apply it in the business setting, then you certainly should apply it to yourself. Mm -hmm. But you've packed a lot of information into a relatively short period of time. But we haven't gotten to what do you do specifically? What programs do you offer to others? Tell us about your own programs and how others can benefit from it. Yeah, I provide one-to-one coaching, and also I have an online program called Mental Freedom. And my program and my coaching, basically, it's grounded on mindfulness, meditation, and positive psychology. So all the tools that I teach in my course and with my coaching are to help people live happier, more resilient, and more mindful lives. So it's about reducing stress reducing negative thinking, and creating a life that you feel satisfied and that you feel happy with. So the programs, well, the one that I have currently now, Mental Freedom, it's eight weeks. 
but I'm looking to now in 2021, creating more programs that are going to be focused on helping people deal with chronic pain. There's a deep connection with our mental health that connects with chronic pain. And throughout my experience of teaching meditation this year, I've come across a lot of people that are experiencing chronic pain and somehow they don't know that meditation and breathing practices could help them a lot as well. So I'm looking to creating a program for 2021 that will focus on that. Wonderful. And how do people get in touch with you or get on your list? Uh, Uh, Well, Happy Meditator, it's kind of my name for everything. So my website is happymeditator.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Happy Meditator. And also I have a podcast that is Happy Meditator. So you can connect with me and my message through my podcast, which I talk about very similar subjects that we discussed today and what I see from your website as well. Very similar interest. There seems to be a theme here about happiness (laughs) and meditating, and it sounds like it's really worked for you and can work for others. And have you stayed healthy physically since you've gotten into this? Yes, I was previous to my health condition, a very active person, and I'm still very, very active. So part of what I do is emphasize that as well to people, you know, mental health is important and your physical health is important. We we tend to prioritize one over the other one and they work together. They're all the same thing. So for me to stay mentally healthy, I need to be physically healthy as well. Well, that certainly fits in with with the mental health gym's philosophy. You know, as a positive psychologist, I'm really grateful to have, having had this conversation with you and the emphasis upon not being passive when it comes to your physical and mental health, but to be able to take an active role and be a partner in making yourself the best version that you can be. I will make sure that we have your contact information in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you and you'll presumably be having uh, some additional programs down the line, but I think it all seems to fit in the common theme of of happiness and meditation and related work. And it sounds like a, a real great recipe for health and for happiness and successful aging. And I'm so thrilled that you were able to share some of these things with us Today, look forward to hearing more from you as you develop more programs. Thanks so much, Tammy, for being part of this podcast. And on that note, we're going to move forward and bring another podcast that was too short but informative to its end. This has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Those of you who have listened. I hope you will subscribe to these podcasts, rate them, comment, and tell your friends about them. And also tell them about the Happy Meditator and what a terrific guest we had today in Tammy Khan. Thank Uh, you so much, Ron, for having me here today. It was a pleasure. Pleasure was ours and the education was ours. And I thank you very much. And as 
the year draws to a close. We're going to have just a few podcasts left. So we hope that it's been a very profitable one in terms of everybody's gaining more information about the field of positive psychology, mental and physical health, and the general approach to wellness. And so let's all commit ourselves to learning something new as we go forward. And if meditation hasn't been part of your practice, Tammy is a good place to start. So until next time, I hope, number one, that you'll visit the Mental Health Gym website. If you haven't gotten a look at Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, please do so. It's available in all different formats on Amazon. And you all have a great holiday season as we move forward. But before that arrives, we've got another terrific guest next week. So hope to see you back here. Thanks again. Until next time, this is Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off.